Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt. Welcome to the show. Thank you for taking some time with me today, and, and I know how costly time can be. So I'm glad you're going to spend the next 25 minutes with me. And I want to remind you that the shows are all podcasts, and they are on the website. And you can go and listen to those very easily from your own computer. We have them also on other podcast servers. We're working on really creating those different servers like uh, SoundCloud, TuneIn, iCloud, Stitcher. We have them on those as well, but they are not like organized. They're not listed. They're not titled. So we really have a lot available for you. I want to make sure that you check those out. And we talked earlier this week about that issue of twilight, that nebulous time, that esoteric time that our, our, um, our society, our culture right now really kind of ignores it. It used to be quite a big deal in other cultures because it really helped them know when to end the day, really helped them know when to start the day. They had some health that we don't have because they really obeyed the natural rhythms of the world. And they didn't fight God's creation near to the degree that we do. So we're, we're going to talk more about change. And twilight is always that indicator that a change is here. A change is coming. And to really recognize, wow, if I listen to that, if I see that, if I go, you know, I feel it in my gut. Something's changing, and I'm not sure what it is. This is the time to go to God and say, I don't want to go to you in the middle of the change or when I have complicated that change. And even if it's a positive change, we really want to ask for God's wisdom. So we get everything possible, everything that God really wants us to have the first time. You know, I'm, I'm a chronic repeater. I relearn things, and I've gotten better over the years, but I'm always asking God to help me. Can I just really learn it the first time? Help me to learn it the first time, Lord, so I don't have to continue to revisit it and go, oh, there was a piece of that I didn't learn. Now I have to kind of add that. So, so really include the Lord in this process of change, especially recognizing it and even saying to the Lord before you recognize that there's some twilight feelings to say, Lord, there's changes coming in my life. I know it. Help me to recognize when they're coming so I can be with you in the beginning. So we talked about this idea about change. And that every loss has a gain, every gain has a loss. So even the good things have a loss. And we talked about those three different types of changes. And there's the one that we generate. This is the one we decide to do. There's the one that is unavoidable that we know is happening, and that's time. We know we're aging. We know children are growing up. We know a car can't last forever. 
a computer can't last forever, right? We know there's things that are coming. Our parents are going to pass. As we get older, we might lose siblings. We know the world is changing. Fads change. What used to be current is no longer current. We're constantly getting updates of technology. So there's the change that is inevitable. It's unavoidable. Even though we try to avoid it, it still occurs. And then there's that last change that is the change that's thrust upon us. That's the one we didn't anticipate, we didn't ask for. Sometimes it's a positive one. Sometimes it's a really negative one. So what happens many times with these changes, and I want you to think about the change that you are initiating. You want to ask yourself, am I, am I truly initiating this? And what, what changes do I need to accept that come with this? Is there a part of this I can control? What do I have to accept? And what are the things that are, I will lose if I generate this change? And what are the losses I'm afraid of losing? Am I willing to do it? And how am I going to manage my stress in the midst of it? And is this going to help me grow up? Am I going to do this in a way that causes me to be a better person, a more mature person, a deeper person? So let's look at the second change. That's the one that's predictable. It's, you know, it is, but it's unavoidable. Puberty, aging, summer came, whether we wanted it to or not, summer is here. Fall will come. It will. We can't make it happen sooner than we would like it to. We can't cause it to not come. Autumn is going to come. And spring will follow. We'll be back to summer. And we have winter that's right in the middle of those. So think about if I have a change that's predictable. Let's say the, the change of aging or children growing up or pets aging. That's always a painful one. The first thing we want, to we want to really practice going with the flow. This is going to happen. We might as well get with the program. And we want to accept the feelings of grief and loss that we don't have, we don't have choice in this. So we want to really go through that grief and loss process and really get to acceptance. I need to accept the fact this is happening. If there are parts of it that I have some control over, then I'm going to exercise those. But I'm going to be realistic about my expectations. I'm going to communicate with the people involved. I'm going to communicate regularly with God so that I do it with grace. I'm going to seek support if I need it. I'm going to really get healthy. Get healthy. Because the changes that are going to come that are unavoidable and predictable will be much easier to manage if you're healthy in body, mind, soul, spirit. And you want to focus on the gain. What's the gain of this loss here? Well, the gain of, of my children growing up is I really do probably have more money now, right? And I may have more time. I might have a quieter home. At the same time, there's a loss. There's an emptiness with that child not being there. But focus on what the gains may be. 
and address and strengthen your spiritual life. Now, the changes, this third one, that are thrust upon us, these are death of a loved one. This is like 9-11, storms, illness. We talked about winning the lottery, how that's thrust upon someone. Yeah, they bought the ticket, but they really didn't believe it. And all of a sudden, boom, they have $3 million. So if we're not prepared, or if we don't help ourselves be prepared, if we start to go fully into denial because we don't want to accept that this has occurred, we're going to complicate things tremendously. So we started with what happens when that change occurs. What might be some defense mechanisms that, that we fall into? And one of them, we talked about avoidance. How about control? We start to get really controlling about things. So I don't want my, my child to move out. So I start getting really controlling about his life. I start to plan his future perfectly. I need to be involved in every part of the change that he's going through in order to really launch him, himself into his own life. I may control things about if it's someone that has passed away. You may see someone really get controlling about the funeral. If it's a wedding and you're really nervous and afraid, this is a huge endeavor to take on. It's a huge thing to do. They may get really controlling. We might also get resistance. This is kind of a form of deflection. Resistance is, I'm just not going to deal with it. It's similar to avoidance. Very similar. But resistance is a, is a real control issue. It might look like refusing to plan the funeral. You see a lot of procrastination, a lot of micromanaging if someone's resisting a change. Because, see, it's the avoidance of not wanting to deal with the fact that it happened. So I'm resisting even talking about it. Think of it, the, the other thing that people do many times that comes with resistance is they get aggressive. You can't make someone face something. You can't make someone deal with something. Many times you might see manipulation. So you might see parents that are struggling with launching their kids, they start to manipulate a little bit. They start to, to withhold money or give more money or say, hey, you know, you need to spend at least two weekends at home. We're paying for your college, right? Or if we're paying for your apartment, we get to help you decorate it. These types of things that we want to really look at, how, where's the manipulation here? What am, what am I doing to try to ease the pain of that loss? Sometimes people do lots of things like in, intellectualizing. We just think and think and think and think and talk and talk and talk about it, but do nothing. And we intellectualize as a way to not have to feel the pain. Some people fall into numbing. And numbing means I just don't feel anything. Numbing is also done with self-medicating behaviors, substances. It's a very effective way to not feel the pain. It's just that it brings so much more problematic issues. So we really want to make sure that we have the coping skills necessary or that we are able to integrate the coping skills necessary to deal with that change, whether it is positive or negative. 
So when, when it is a truly negative loss, it is difficult to find the gain. But God is very good at giving us hope. He is the God of all hope. And you have to continue to remind yourself. He created this entire universe, the entire process. He knows every single human that will ever be born. He planned them all. He knows every second of your life. He knows the day it begins. He knows the day it ends. And he's been in every second because he's not bound by time. So he's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. So you can trust him. You're not alone in the change. You're not having to go through it all by yourself and you don't have to only depend on you. So when the loss is catastrophic, when it's a negative loss, even if it's a negative loss that other people may think might not be that big of a deal, it's a disappointment, even down to you got your feelings hurt. We all have to go through the process that we call the grief and loss process in order to get to the other side and have it truly be resolved so that it's not one of those issues that continues to revisit us, continues to show up, an unresolved issue, an unresolved hurt, something we have not been able to accept as a part of our life, part of our past. That means it still has energy in it and it's going to continue to affect our present. And if it affects our present, it alters our future. This is why God says he puts our sins as far as the east is from the west. He remembers them no more. Because to him, they're not relevant. They're the past. And he has resolved the past. He's already gone through all the grief and loss process. He knows who he's dealing with. He doesn't have unrealistic expectations on his people. So he really wants your past to be truly resolved so that it doesn't live in your present moment affecting and changing the future he has for you so that he has to continue to reroute you because the past continues to affect your journey. So what is that process? Well, it was um, created by a woman named Dr. Kubler Ross. She is a Swiss psychiatrist, and she did this uh, around the 30s and 40s. She discovered this process that cancer patients went through when she was helping them deal with the fact that they were dying. And she saw this process that every single human would go through. And this process happens whether it's a catastrophic change, good or bad, or it's a really small one, like missing the light, and you have to stop when you thought you were going to make it through the light. So that process starts with what we would first see as shock. Shock quickly goes to denial. And from denial, we go into bargaining. And bargaining is, no, this can't be. It's not possible. I know it isn't. Tell it to me again. Let me see that letter. Let me hear that message. Let me see that number on the scale. Let me see the number in my bank account. This isn't possible. There's no way. Let me look at the, the, the gas gauge on my car again. I thought for sure I had another five miles. This can't be possible. And so 
we do this bargaining then after we do that all that denial all that shock denial we go into bargaining and bargaining is well if I would have done this then this would have happened so the bargaining is calling your husband calling your wife your partner and saying you know if you would have deposited that check we would not be in overdraft because I don't want to deal with the loss so I want to find someone something is the cause of this loss and the underlying feeling of that is, if I find the culprit, if I find the reason, I'll somehow feel better. Somebody's going to pay for this loss. So we start bargaining. We bargain with ourselves. Wow, if I would have just gone back to school, if I would have not broken up with that, that woman, if I would have had children, if I would have bought that house, all of this as a way to try to find some way to feel better. And then when the bargaining doesn't work, we find ourselves really angry. And we are just mad. This is just unacceptable. I shouldn't have to deal with this. This isn't fair. All that anger about this loss, and I'll, I'll tell you the truth, generally for men, anger is much easier than the next phase, which is sadness. Men feel much stronger when they are angry than when they are just sad. Women have a harder time, many times, activating anger or knowing that they're angry. So many times we see if women are struggling with anger over a great loss, they get maybe bitter, cynical, skeptical, nasty, mean, withholding, controlling. Men have a tendency to sulk, in their anger, they get aggressive, they get angry, they shut people out. They sometimes may even get violent, explosive. Because loss is one of those things that many times nobody asks our permission about. And even if we anticipated the loss and generated the change ourselves, we many times have no idea all that we're going to deal with once that change occurs. We think we've anticipated everything. And we come to find there are things we did not expect. So after anger is mourning and sadness, we get tired of being angry, so we get sad. And sadness is a really difficult one to deal with because there's no energy in mourning and sadness. But I want to tell you something about mourning and sadness. Whatever the loss is, it deserves it. It does. If it's the loss of a human, that human deserves to be cried over. And when, when I work with people that have lost someone they love, and they say, oh, I can't believe I keep crying, I shouldn't cry, and I say, wow, when you cry over someone, it's one of the most honoring things you could do. That means they mattered. That means you cared. That means they were valuable. When we cry over a loss, it means it's something of great value. Jesus wept, wept over many things, so much of what he saw in the world. God cries over his creation and the loss that has been incurred that never was intended. And he's learned acceptance. If he didn't accept all of this, we would, he would have scrapped the whole program. So when we're done 
with the mourning and sadness, we find ourselves in acceptance and forgiveness, which is really a wonderful state of peace, which gives us new life and new hope. It is like a twilight. It's like the sunset. The twilight of sunset is going into the grief and loss process. And coming out of the grief and loss process is like the sunrise into a new day with new things, new hope, new opportunities, new life. Now, we don't always go in order. We initially, though, always are in shock first. Then we do do denial. We always start bargaining. But we have a tendency to revisit some of these until we're all the way done. So you might have thought you were over your anger. And then all of a sudden it comes back. You're like, why am I still angry about the fact that those people stole that money from us? Or those people broke into our car. I thought I was over that. I thought I forgave them. Why do I feel that again today? And what you'll find is that it is a process. And the greater the loss, the longer it takes. The more you have to recycle through that grief and loss process before you really land in acceptance and forgiveness and it was truly resolved. So you need to trust yourself. You need to trust your own process. Nobody has your process. Everyone's is unique to them. But you want to ask God to be any in all parts of it. And that does not mean. But asking God to be in the process means you have to do it in a pretty manner. Okay, grief and loss is not pretty. It's not. It's ugly. It's painful. And you just need to be authentic in who you are. He really can handle it because he already knows. And I'm sure he feels some of the same feelings that you feel. He hates the losses, the unnecessary ones especially, the tragic ones, that he would have never initiated. So he's with us in that pain. So I'm going to read you the serenity prayer because this is a part of the grief and loss process. This is... This serenity prayer came from dealing with loss. And I'm going to read you the entire thing because I like it. It's really good. It says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, the wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking as he did, this world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I might be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. And that was written by Reinhold Niebuhr in 1926. And that is a prayer for us to memorize. I use that prayer so often, as well as the Jesus prayer I've told you about, and that is, Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I ask Jesus for mercy. I'm a sinner. I need his mercy when I go through these hard times. And I thank him for twilight. That's a little bit of a warning that a change is coming. So God bless you today. We're going to talk more about this whole idea of change and self-care, positive self-care, how we do that, how we do that well. 
So I'm glad that you listened to today. Make sure that you send it to your friends. Check out the website. Thank you for being present in social media with me. Have a great day. And Jeremy, my producer, he's so awesome. Thank you so much. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.